Everybody doing okay? All right, well, let's, let's talk some God. Here we go. Everybody ready for 1 Samuel 23 as we open up uh, this last sermon in the series we started a couple weeks ago. We are seeking to learn to communicate God's way in a world that does not. And uh, last week as we finished this service, uh, I was just uh, prompted by the Spirit to pray this verse from Psalms 19 over us. And it's been my prayer for us all week. In Psalms 19, verse 14, it says this. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Yeah, I think uh, as James has told us, if we could learn to master the tongue, we could learn to, uh, to master almost everything in life. There's so many ways that our words can lead us astray, take us in wrong directions. And so what an apt prayer, what a proper prayer for us to pray. God, let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Let the words in my head, the meditations of my heart, the things that I speak to myself, let every part of my communication line up with you and your grace. May I honor you in the things that I say. And, and then we, we, uh, we went to James chapter one and we, we learned about the importance of listening, uh, of, of being careful uh, to hear correctly. And we uh, studied this verse in James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, slow to become angry. We learned it this way. Everybody ready? Do it with me, please. Don't make me have to tell you twice. Is everybody ready? Here we go. We need to be quick to listen, and then slow to speak, and slow to become angry. One more time for those who weren't here. What do we got to do? We got to be quick to listen, and then slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Yeah. Um, I, I kept looking in traffic to see if there was anybody actually doing that. You know, and then see if they had a Baylife sticker on their car. I didn't see you. Uh, but hopefully that's something that sticks in your head. Whenever you're ready to say something, you shouldn't. Or whenever you're uh, shutting your ears down, which we are all apt to do, uh, quote that verse. That's why it's there, so that we can remember it and put it in play. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Uh, Today we want to spend our time focusing on the listening part of James' command. We spent the last couple weeks talking about the talking part. Uh, today I want to challenge us in our hearing. Uh, as we get older, sometimes our hearing goes bad and we need aids to make it uh, uh, easier for us to amplify, for us to hear the things that are said around us. Uh, I think certainly the case can be made that uh, spiritually we sometimes need aids, help, uh, certainly reminders that God is constantly communicating with us, constantly seeking to lead us, uh, and we need to have our ears open uh, for the things that he says so that we might follow them. Uh, I've, I've learned this in my life. My ears are connected to my give a darn. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, if I don't care, I don't listen. Is that, is that, some of you are doing that right now. Because if, if, if you can't care enough, you're not going to listen. Uh, but when I do care, I pay rapt attention. Like when I first started dating my beautiful bride, Eleanor, we've been married for almost 28 years now. Uh, not long enough. Uh, but uh, when I first met her, I just got, I got, I got bowled over, swept up. I, uh, and and I, I loved her. I cared for her so much that um, I, I could hear her voice in a crowded uh, cafeteria at the college that we went to. And I'd be like, oh, she's here. She's here. I've got to find her. 
Uh, back in the days before text uh, messaging and, and voicemails even, uh, this is back in the Stone Age, the phones actually had cords, remember those? Uh, uh, if, if we wanted to communicate to each other in college, we would leave notes on a note board in the, in the dorms that we lived in. Some of you are nodding your heads. And, uh, and I actually, uh, I, I got this eagle eye from my, my wife's handwriting. Like I would see my name in her handwriting and I'd be like, ah, you know, I got a note from Eleanor. And I'd go over there and it'd just be this little, you know, something on a post-it note. But um, because I cared, I was tuned in to the sound of her voice and to even the, the ways that she would write. Uh, this is what God hopes for us. But can I just share with you, and you know this, we live in a world of imposters, frauds, forgers. Uh, there's lots of voices out there that will beckon and call us and even represent themselves as being agents of God himself. Uh, but they'll lead us astray, impersonators uh, that we need not hear. Uh, You've all gotten the emails from some prince in Africa who has a family inheritance, and if you just send him your social security number and uh, you know, the number's on your credit card, he'll make sure that you get your half or whatever. Has anybody gotten one of those? It's, you know, it's, it's actually gotten more refined here at our staff. Uh, people who work here on our team will receive emails that look like they're from me, and they'll have my name. If you click on the email, you'll see it's not my Baylife address. It's some hoser. But, uh, uh, but they'll get these emails and they'll say, hi, whoever, uh, this is Mark, I need you to send me, and this is what they'll ask for, $100 worth in Apple gift cards. <laughs> Which should be your sign right there. I mean, I, it, but you know, especially new staff members who've never gotten one of these, they'll be like, well, I don't want to disappoint the boss, so. Uh, uh, f- thankfully, no one has uh, you know, sent these you know, frauds their Apple gift cards, but uh, They'll write me emails, hey, Mark, is this you? I'll be like, no, it's not me. Go back to work. Anyway, uh, <laughs> kind of funny, but kind of emblematic of what goes on in the world. All kinds of people trying to dupe us. That's why it's so important that we as followers of Jesus Christ love Christ so much that we can distinguish his voice and his words amongst the noise. Jesus wrote as much, uh, described himself as lots of different things, but in John chapter 10, as he's speaking here in this gospel, uh, he, he tells his listeners, I'm, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the shepherd, y'all need to follow me. And he says this, he says, uh, the sheep, my sheep, uh, hear my voice, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice, and the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And isn't it great that many of us are sitting here as sheep who have been led out of the life that we previously had without Christ? Is anybody grateful for the fact that Jesus has called us from a life without him to a life with him? And does everybody recognize that you and I being saved had nothing to do with us wanting to be saved or realizing that we needed to be saved? It was all at the prompting of our Savior and his spirit, he drew us to himself. He, like a shepherd to sheep, said, come on, we're going this way. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what happened. Jesus called you to himself. If you're not following Jesus Christ yet and you're kind of here under duress because, you know, lunch was under this condition that you showed up here and, uh, you know, listen, I, I trust that you're here even as arms folded and as angry as you are because Jesus wanted you here. 
And he wanted you to know that you need a savior and he wanted you to know that you yourself cannot save yourself from the sins that hold you back between or from a God who loves you and that you need him. He, he wanted you to hear that. That's our gospel, that it's not something that you and I can do to make ourselves um, grafted or, or brought back together into relationship with God. It's something that has been done. It's our savior, Jesus. He went to the cross. He died for your sins so that you could be forgiven. He rose from the grave so that you could have victory over death. We believe in him and what he's done, and that's what saves us. But Jesus says to those of us who are his sheep, come on. And he leads us out into life and it tells us in the next verse, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. So here's where you and I live. As Christians, we live um, you know, in this herd of sheep, in this life that we've been given in Christ, following the shepherd. He's at the lead, and he just keeps pointing the direction. He goes before us, and the sheep follow him. And why does this all happen? Because their ears are attuned to the one that they love. It happens because the sheep know his voice. Now like I told you, uh, there's gonna be strangers that come in the world and try to mimic the voice of God in your life. Uh, but it says in the next verse that a stranger, a stranger is, is, is someone that they won't follow. Uh, they will flee from those strangers for they don't know the voice of those who are not their savior. How? How in tune is your spiritual hearing? Now, there's all kinds of counterfeits out there. Actually, Satan himself is called the angel of light. He doesn't come to you with horns and a pitchfork. He comes to you looking like uh, the voice of God or sounding like the voice of God. And he, he tries to, like he did in the Garden with Eve, he tries to use logic and reasoning and, and, and deceit to sway you and pull you away from the truth. There's all kinds of false teachers writing books starting cults, leading people away from the truth. Even our own flesh, you know, there's a, a voice box inside of us that's tied to the old man that existed before Christ came into us and made us new. And we're kind of in this tug of war between old and new. And the old comes to us and says, this would be a great idea. You probably won't get caught. It'll be fun. Feed me, Seymour, right? But if we're here today as Christ followers, like I said, we've heard the voice of our shepherd, we've followed him into faith, and the rest of our life is this constant listening for his voice in obedience to the things that he says. Are we tuned in, or have we tuned out? Give me 20 minutes, tune in, and hear the voice of God through his word. We're gonna look at the life of a guy named David, and. Uh, David's like the rest of us because in David's life, life happens. Does everybody agree that life happens? Anything show up in your calendar this week that wasn't there when you started? Stuff happens, life happens. Let's uh, talk about a day in the life of our friend David. In 1 Samuel 23, this is what happens to our boy Dave. It says uh, some messengers came and they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla and are robbing the threshing floors. This was a typical problem uh, in the Middle East and uh, Israel proper in the days of David's life. Um, uh, there was a formalized uh, 
uh, Israeli government. Saul was the king over Israel, but it was uh, hard in those days for all of the outposts to have the protection they needed. Uh, and so Caleb was one of those outposts. The Philistines were a, a longtime enemy of Israel, and they would just send marauding parties, parties and they would basically wait. Until, this isn't, this, isn't this so mean? They would wait until you had harvested your grain, gone to the threshing floor, and, and basically threshed your grain out so that it could become flour, ground into flour to make your bread, and then that's when they would attack. They let you do all the work, and then they came and stole your stuff. And it's not like you could, you know, uh, you know, log into Amazon and have them deliver your groceries. If you uh, had your crops stolen from you, you didn't eat. And your livestock didn't eat. And, and, and there was, it was the end of that colony if they lost a season of food. It's a big deal. But without uh, knowing the context of this message, we can't appreciate the quandary that David is in. Because see, here's the deal. David was just, he was a shepherd himself, just minding his own business, hanging out, uh, watching some sheep, and someone comes to him and says, hey, your dad needs you at the house, and he goes to the house, and there's this prophet named Samuel there. David's still a young man, probably even a teenager, and this guy Samuel says, you're the next king of Israel. And if you've heard the story of David from there, you know that he ends up visiting his brothers at a battlefield with these same Philistines, and there's this huge guy out in there yelling, you know, uh, you know challenges to the armies of, of Israel, and, and David finally says, well, I'll go take him on, and he does, and he kills Goliath, and he is celebrated. All the top 40 uh, songs were about David and Israel for a long time after that, and uh, and he actually uh, is, a, is a quite uh, accomplished musician himself, so accomplished that he becomes kind of the musical therapist of the king that he's going to replace. And he ends up in the courts of Saul. He ends up being Saul's, uh, the king of Israel's son-in-law because the reward for killing Goliath was the marriage of uh, that champion to Saul's daughter, Michael. He becomes great friends with Saul's uh, son, Jonathan. Uh, things are going great. But Saul... Saul is an evil, jealous king. Uh, if you want to compare Saul and David, one of the two main comparisons is Saul listened to himself and David listened to God. And so as Saul listened to himself, he became jealous to the point that he kept throwing his spear at David over and over again. And David was like, hey man, I think this guy's trying to kill me. <laughs> and Jonathan and David cooked up a plot to figure out if that was actually the case. And sure enough, Saul had intent to kill David and so Jonathan came to David and said, hey, bro, you got to get out of town. And so he did. He went on the lamb. He left his wife, his family, the courts of the king, and he was the most wanted man in Israel. Read it. First Samuel, uh, you know, is just an incredible story. Uh, he, he's now, as we kind of find ourselves where we are in chapter 23, he's now hiding in a forest called Hereth, and he's been joined there by his family members, uh, those not related to Saul. And... Uh, and, and other men who are siding with him from his years in the military, and they're on the lam. They're just trying to keep their heads down because Saul has spies everywhere, and his intent is to kill his rival. So now, with that as the context, these messengers come and they say to Dave, hey, Dave, we know you're a champion of Israel, and we know that you fought against the Philistines in the past, and these Philistines are going to come and rip off Kayla. What are you going to do? Many of us have been in that situation where common sense says, don't give, don't serve, don't agree, don't go. But the question that we need to answer in life is, what do we do when life happens? And the answer for those of us who follow Christ is always, what do we do when life happens? Always. When life happens, 
we listen to God. David, upon hearing the news in Kayla, doesn't go to his men, doesn't consult the internet, doesn't look for weather reports, or just goes to his knees, and he inquires of the Lord and says, shall I go and attack these Philistines? Hey, God, this is on my screen now. What do you want me to do? And the Lord says to David, go. Go and attack the Philistines and save Caleb. All right. Now, David had this uh, very special relationship with God in, in, in such a way that uh, when, when he prayed, God actually spoke to him. Like, it's in quotes there because God actually said to David, David, here's what I need you to do. Go. And there's been times in my life where I've sensed in my spirit the, the voice of God saying very definitively, yep, do this. But a lot of times when I pray, I don't have that clear of a message. Has anybody experienced that? I don't know if you heard me, Lord, but I'm wanting to know what I should do in this situation. And sometimes uh, he isn't as ready to give me an answer or is feeling the urgency that I do. Now, what do you do in those situations? Well, when life happens, we just continue to inquire of and listen to the God who gives direction. One of, the, one of the best ways that we can answer most of the questions in life is to listen to God by reading. Listen to God by reading. Anybody got a Bible? Who's got a Bible? Anybody got one on their phone? Everybody does. It's America. Yeah. Well, not really. That's, that's, not, that's a lie. Anyway, uh, but everybody has access to the Word of God. How many of us read it? Oh, good. Some of you do. Great. Uh, how many of us read it and then do what it says? We'll get to that later. But God has spoken. When it comes to the general will that he has for everybody in life, he's revealed it. It's called his word. And in his word, we have the general outline of what he hopes for us in life. So often people come to me and they say, should I do this? And I don't, I don't know, have you, have you read anything in the Bible that says do this or don't do this? Well, yeah, it says not to. Okay, conversation over, what's up? Yeah, but it seems like there's more facets to this. No, there's really not. God said don't. Case closed. I love the passages that teach us about passages, about the power of God's word. One of the first passages I ever memorized as a young boy in the Christian school I was going to was Psalm chapter 1. In Psalm 1 it says this, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of uh, sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You kind of see the progression there. Um, he's talking about this blessed life. The writer of this psalm says it's, it's a blessed life if you learn not to even walk with those who could sway you from God, not to stop and stand with them and listen to the mess that they're talking about, not to sit down and listen to the scoffing and the noise uh, that they would produce. Uh, a blessed man stays away from that. A blessed man's delight, it says in verse 2, is in the law of the Lord. The word there, law, is the Hebrew word Torah. And the Torah in the Jewish religion is uh, immediately recognized by anybody who says it as, as the teachings of Moses. Moses wrote, uh, we attribute the first five books of our Old Testaments to Moses. And in the first five books of the Old Testament, we, it encases the law of Moses, the, the teachings and the principles of God, the precepts of how he wants us to live. And so here in this time, uh, of the Psalms, the writer of this Psalm says, hey, blessed is the man who doesn't listen to the noise of the sinners and the scoffers. 
Blessed is the man who instead listens to the law, who delights and cares about what it says, who, uh, when he has the opportunity, takes every opportunity to meditate on the things that he's learned there, day and night. You know what that word meditate means? It means to, you know, think about and cogitate on, but it also means to read in an undertone. Ever, ever been standing in an aisle at a store? Some of us are older, we do this now. And you're, you're having a conversation with a product that you're holding in your hand? Oh, that's a lot of carbs, look at that. Probably shouldn't eat that. Oh my, that, that is way too expensive. And then someone comes around the aisle and says, can I help you, sir? And you're like, no, I'm just talking to myself. I'm my own best friend, how's it going? It's good to see you. Uh, that happens more and more, you know, with some of us. And uh, it's just a way that we think out loud. Anybody here think out loud? Yeah, I do it all the time. Um, you know, one of the ways that we think out loud uh, is, is, is uh, we think out loud so as to memorize or to, as so as to be reminded. Like, who's ever been in a tight situation? You quote a verse or you've been in a tight situation. You remember a promise or a, or a line from a book or you just, the things in your head come out of here, right? It's almost like this meditation flows from us from the things that we say. Uh, he goes on to describe this blessed man. He says, uh, someone who delights in the law of the Lord, someone who meditates on the law day and night, uh, he's different from everybody else in the world because he's like a tree who's planted by a river of water. Uh, he, he yields his fruit in, his, in its season. He, he's fruitful and timely in his fruitfulness. Now, his leaf doesn't wither. So all the world goes to pot. Everything goes crazy. Storms rage. Uh, you know, uh, areas go dry and desolate. Uh, but this man who delights in the law, who hears God as he reads his word, he doesn't wither. He doesn't falter. In, in everything he does, he prospers. And I've, I've thought about that. I've meditated on this one. In my life, not everything I do prospers, like in, in the literal physical sense. Uh, see every handyman project I've ever tried. <laughs> but what God is saying is, is that even when life isn't prosperous, even when life is broken, even when things don't go well, we can, by God's grace, learn things in those situations that we'd never learn otherwise, and ergo, we prosper. Amen. Good can come and does come from bad if we're listening to the God who has allowed it to come and following him through it. Amen. He goes on to describe um, those who would refuse to delight in the law of the Lord. He says in verse four that the wicked, they're not like trees, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Go back to that threshing floor in Kalo. Uh, when you would thresh wheat, the husks of the wheat would actually separate from the grain inside and, and the husks would be just thrown up. That's what a thresher did. It would just throw the grain up until the husks, husks came loose, the grain would stay, and the chaff, that husk, would just float away in the wind. And the psalmist says, listen, if you're not rooted, if you're not aware of what the words of God are, if, if you're living life without them, you're not going to prosper. 
You're not going to experience what God has for you. You're just going to be blown in the wind. When the storms come, you go with them into the crazy. You get thrown to and fro. When we read the word, we hear the voice of God. And so the question comes, uh, what are you doing when you read the word? Are, are you listening to God for his direction and then following his lead? Or is it just some academic uh, experience that you're having? Especially us seasoned Christians, those who have been around it for a while, it's just really easy to make your, your Bibles kind of a textbook where you learn information about the stories, but you don't receive any of the inspiration that the Holy Spirit is meaning, meaning for you to have, Right? I pray that's not what happens in here. I mean, I don't know why you showed up this morning. Like I said, some of you might be here under duress. I understand. But if you're here just out of habit and you're just hearing, you know, another sermon on another section of the book and your intent is to walk out of here and just be the exact same one person that you were when you came in, I'm telling you, you're doing preaching wrong. You're doing church wrong. You're doing the Bible wrong. Because I believe that the word never returns void. That it is a sword Double-edged, it cuts through all of our stuff if we allow it. And it points us in directions that we need to go. Don't come in here and just inanely, don't get your nap in, wake him up. Listen, listen to the word of God. Read it and hear his voice. Now, we, don't, we don't only, not only just uh, hear God's voice as we read his words, we also hear God's voice as he speaks to us. In fact, our, our very faith is predicated on listening by hearing. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans that uh, faith comes from seeing, from testing, from knowing. Well, I think the word he uses here is akuo. He says faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. So it goes back to that whole shepherd thing. Jesus talks to us. We hear him. He prompts us. We follow him. And he's going to ask us to follow him into places, kind of like David got asked to go defend Kayla. He's like, this doesn't sound like a good idea. I'm here hiding in the forests of Herod. Are you sure you want me to do that? And God says, yeah, trust me. I told you, let's go. You know, if Christians could just get that down, there'd be a lot uh, more fruitful and effective Christians in the world. If we could just hear God go, understand what he's saying and do. Ask, receive, and follow. But we don't. We argue, or we don't ask. If we don't ask, you can't say. But our very faith is predicated on our ability to hear. God doesn't always uh, give us you know, clear pictures, but he gives us clear enough pictures that we can follow them. Like, like we've talked about them in scripture, he'll point to us or point us to the principles that he wants us to follow. And so in a general sense, we can know in this situation with my wife or my husband or with my kids or whatever, this is how God wants me to live. But then a lot of times, uh, he actually speaks to us in our spirits. His spirit speaks to our spirit. And he tells us, um, th- this is what I hope for you. If you've ever been praying and sensed that this is what you were supposed to do from God and, and, and you knew that you knew that you knew that this was the Spirit, hopefully you acted on that and you followed him into whatever he said. 
I live in Brandon, Florida, because when I prayed one night after uh, being offered a job to be a pastor here, I sensed God saying, yeah, you better go. Never wanted to live in Brandon, Florida, like it now. But it had never been on my list of things to do in life. <laughs> but here I am. Why? Did I turn to a verse that says, and Mark shall move to Brandon? No, I prayed and I asked God, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he spoke to myself and to my wife and through you as a church and here we are. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Lots of times he uses outer voices, people in our lives. I'm so grateful for that. Is anybody grateful for the body of Christ? I mean, sometimes we drive each other crazy. I get that. And there's way too much, you know, my sandbox, your sandbox. We're all on the same team. Can everybody agree with me on that? Let's, let's quit dividing over stupid and uh, start, you know, uniting over Christ. Anybody with me on that? Yeah. But uh, I just love the body of Christ and, and what it brings to my life because at, at, at so many junctures in my history, God has used somebody and their words to point me to where I needed to go. I mean, who's grateful for the wise who have gone before us and for, for the, uh, uh, the, the people that God has sent as his oracles you know, uh, before I became a pastor and uh, went to Bible school and all the things that preceded this, uh, I spent my senior year of high school living uh, with a family, but principally by myself. I, I, I left in rebellion the home that my parents were living in in Illinois, and I went back to the place that I had grown up in a place called Maine. It's up there in the top. Anyway, uh, and I spent my whole senior year prodigaling it up. I was the prodigal son. I'm not proud of it, uh, wish I could take a lot of it back, but I did everything that I had been taught my whole Christian life not to do. And I, I was hung over on a Saturday morning when the post came, the mail, it's an it's a old thing, letters. Anyway, uh, the mail came to the house I was staying at and there was a letter in it from my mom. And I'm not a sentimental guy, I don't keep many things from childhood or, uh, I'm just not, a, but if, if I had one thing that I could treasure and, and wish I had kept, it was this letter from my mom, because it changed my entire direction in life. My mom wrote in that letter, Mark, I know you're not following Jesus. That was an understatement. And she says, as I pray, I sense God telling me these things about your life. And she went on to detail, you're going to go to Moody Bible Institute and to get a degree in, in, in being a pastor, and you're going to become a pastor, and you're going to pastor in churches for the rest of your life. I don't know why I feel this way, but I just feel this way. It's not my hope and heart for you as your mother. I've been married to a pastor my whole life. It stinks at times. She's very honest. My mother's a very honest woman. <clears throat> so if I, could, if I could do anything else, and if you could do anything else, I'd be fine with that, but I just sense from God that this is what's going to happen in your life. And I, my head was throbbing, and my, my, you know, I was just smiling. I was like, Mom, if you could only see who's reading this right now. There's no way. But here I am. And it's not, listen, it's not because my mom's a special mom. I know moms are special. My mom was a voice that God spoke through. She was a pen that God used. And I'm so thankful that God speaks to us, not just through his word, to our hearts and to our spirits. He speaks to us through other people. And when questions arise, listen, has anybody ever gotten into a situation where you, you've sensed the leading of God, but then you're like, wait, I didn't think of this, and there's more things being added to the equation? Anybody been there? Are you sure? When questions arise, listen, what do we do then? Same thing, we listen to God. Look what happens in the story here in Samuel. 
So, so David's decided to go and help in Kayla, and he tells his men, hey guys, great news, we're gonna go and liberate the city of Kayla and their threshing floors, it'll be awesome. And his friends go, uh, behold, we're afraid to go out here in Judah. Dave, we're hiding in the woods. We, we have enemies, not just the Philistines who are our natural enemies, we have enemies in our own people. The king wants to kill us, bro. And you wanna poke your head out? He says, behold, the, the men said, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kayla, we, we leave the protection of our hiding place and we fight against the armies of the Philistines. We're gonna be out there fighting the Philistines. Saul's gonna find out we're there and he's gonna come to our flank and we're gonna be doubly dead. <laughs> this is a bad idea. And so David heard the concerns of his friends whom he loved, who had sacrificed their families and their homes to go and hide with him in the woods to protect him and to provide for him. They believed in him. And he heard his friends and he says, you're right, we should not go. And that's how the story ends. Is that how the story ends? If you got a Bible, keep reading. What's it say? And then David inquired of the Lord when? Again. Well, God, I hadn't thought about this. They're kind of, they're, they're making sense. What should we do? And the Lord came to David and he said, listen. I'm, it's, in the, it's in the Hebrew, trust me. Listen. Get up. Go down to Kayla. Because I will give the Philistines into your hand. Is that enough for you, Dave? I know you got doubters. I know you're probably doubting too. But here's the deal, bro. I am God. And I have power to overcome in ways that you don't, the Philistines don't, Saul don't, doesn't. You get up. You trust me, and I, I will give you the victory. Questions come, that's just a part of life. But isn't it great that we have an affirming God? A God who even when we're wondering, what have I done? A God who says, trust me, let's go, I've got this. Now here's the key to all of communication with God. This is so important. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. When we listen to God, which I hope you do, please, read his word, hear him there. Hear him in your spirit. Hear him as other people speak to you on his behalf. Hear him. But when we listen to God, it's imperative that we do what he says. I don't know when you get into trouble, fellas, in your marriages, but I usually get into trouble when my wife asks me to do something and I nod and say, yes, I'll do that, and then I don't do it. Has anybody ever gotten in trouble for that? I mean, it started when I was a kid, my parents, but in relationship, when I nod and assent and give the impression that I've heard and then do it not, problems are coming. That's where issues arise. And it's no wonder that in our relationship with God, the same occurs. If, if you say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and then do a no, Lord, things aren't going to be copacetic, copacetic between you and him. So let's see what David does. Verse 5. And David and his men, the doubters, they went to Kayla and they fought with the Philistines. And they won. How do I know? Because they brought away the livestock of the Philistines and they struck them with a great blow. How great is this? They put their necks out. They leave their hiding place. They go and they fight the Philistines. God not only gives them the victory, but he gives them steak. How great is that, huh? 
I mean, maybe these Philistines have been sweeping through the, the region that they were in, and they had already conquered some other, you know, towns or, or townships, and they had taken their cows, and they had this, and hey, we might as well grab some bread while we're here, get the, get the threshing floors. And so David not only defended Kayla and liberated them, but he got the spoils of the Philistines' marauding party, and everybody had stake. So David saved the inhabitants of Kayla. What I wish it would say there is that God saved the inhabitants of Kayla through David who listened to him. I think that would be a better, not that I would improve on the Bible, but that would be a more clear understanding of what happened there. David didn't do anything beyond hearing and doing. Isn't that what James says? Like we studied this verse. What is it again? One more time. Be quick listening and then Good, you remembered it, good. Did you know like three verses after that, uh, James write these words, but be doers of the word, and not just hearers only, and deceive yourselves. Don't, Don't trick yourselves into thinking that you're a godly man or woman because you know a lot about God. Don't don't trick yourself into thinking that I hear the Lord, I don't do what he says, but I hear him, and thinking that you and he are in lockstep, you're not. He says, if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, verse 23, uh, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, and when he looks at himself, he goes away, and he at once forgets what he was looking at. I, I mean, how dumb is that? You go to lunch after this. We're almost done. But you go to lunch after this, and uh, you know, someone across the table from you is dipping a chip in the salsa, and they just have a spaz out, and they just take the whole cup of salsa, and it goes all over your face, and you're wiping it out of your eyes, and the jalapenos are making you, you know, tear up, but... But you're like, I gotta go to the bathroom, I gotta get this out there. And then you go into the bathroom and you look in the mirror in the bathroom and you see the salsa, but something in you just says, oh, fine. And then you walk back out and you still got salsa dripping down your face. What was the trip to the bathroom about? If you weren't gonna take care of what was on your face. What, what were you talking to God about if you weren't gonna follow him in what he says? Why'd you bother? Don't ask if you don't want to hear his answer. And don't ask if you're not willing to do what he says. Can I share with you a home improvement victory? This is the only time I've had one, so listen up. (laughs) I woke up Thursday morning, and uh, the, the garage door opener that's been in our house for the four years we've lived in it, was on the fritz, it, like literally. It was just going, eh, 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 eh. No, no sensors were rough, all the wiring was fine. They thought, you know, the only answer I got by, by the service guy was that the motherboard has just fried and it doesn't know what up and down is. And, and so he says to me, so I can put a new one in for you, right? And I says to him, well, how much is that gonna cost? And he said a number that made me kind of gasp. And so I thought, well, how hard can this be? Which is usually the beginning of a very sad story, right? <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go down to Lowe's and buy a garage door opener, and I'm going to do it for like a fourth of the price that this guy's going to do it for. And, and I know I, you know, I'll figure it out. And so, so Thursday afternoon, starting at 2 o'clock in 900-degree weather, uh, I started to install a garage door opener in my house. It works. Okay. But let me share with you, let me share with you how I got there. I opened the box, and you know what they put in these boxes now? These really, 
oh wow, you do, that's very good, yeah. These very detailed, elaborate, step-by-step, if you read them, you can win instructions. And do you know what, there's this little, I don't even know what they're called, those little kind of crazy looking boxes that if you scan them, they'll go to a, a, a site on the internet that'll have a video. They have one of those and it actually, and, and you could go on YouTube and you could watch a dude walk through every one of those steps in your instructions. And so that's what I did for four hours. I read the instructions and then I went over to my iPad and I watched the dude and then I did what they said. And a couple times I misread the instructions and I didn't understand the dude and so I had to stop and undo that because I had to go back to the instructions and find out for sure and listen to the dude more intently so I could know. But as I listened and as I watched and as I heard, I was able to do what I had to do. And so now, may you and I understand in this life with Christ, he has written down what we need to know and he will speak to us by his spirit in our own selves and through those around us, and he will lead us to whatever we need to do if we will only hear and obey his voice. May God bless the teaching of his word, and may you and I be throwing up garage door openers all over in life (laughs) to the glory of his name, amen? Will you stand with me as we sing? Sing, this Let is a us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us let us become more aware of your presence. Lord, let us experience the power of your goodness. And Lord, let us hear and obey your voice in all things so that you get the glory you deserve from us and we receive from you the life that we can only receive from you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.